Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, Nathan Doyle, and I'm delighted today that we have Stephen Henderson, former Cove Ramblers and Waterford manager. Stephen, welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Delighted to be here, big man. Thanks for asking me. I was a Absol- bit surprised. Ah, no, absolutely delighted to have you on. I, I know you like to share an opinion, so this is the place we want you. So, uh, <laughs> the opinion has got me into a lot of trouble over the years. Kid, so. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say, Steve, no, I, I, I'm at the getting myself off Twitter because you know yourself, it's an absolute cesspool, but you're, you're definitely one of the League of Ireland figures with the most active Twitter account, aren't you? It, it's, it's great well, to I see. Was, I kinda, I've kind of kept quiet on it, to be honest with you. I've um, Since I went out of the game, I've been I've been setting up a, like an, my own academy down here in Cork. Um, and what started as an interest, it kind of consumed me now for the last few months, nearly a year now. <laughs> So I haven't been able to be as uh, active as I'd like to be, but um, yeah, th- you know, Twitter is Twitter is great, but like you say, like it, it can have really negative connotations. I had some very negative stuff towards me uh, for a long period of time, but um, yeah, you know, it's great in relation to the game itself and the league itself. Uh, it's it, the exposure that the the league has got and and this type of stuff that we're doing here now. Uh, it's kind of reflective in in the attendances, the attendances this year and last. Well, before the the pandemic, we could see a real rise, and I think social media had a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was going to ask you, what are you doing? What are you, how are you keeping yourself out of trouble? But obviously, this academy is keeping yourself out of trouble. Whether well, it is, yeah, because um, you know, it, it just started off as we said in the pandemic. I had my son over there, and then. Someone asked me would I take an, another player, and then I took another player, and I really, I really enjoyed seeing the process of of young players and the different tools that we can use to make them better. Um, especially when I went to Shelbourne, you know, in, in the academy role within Shelbourne, I was seeing an awful lot of stuff that really kind of interested me because when I was manager of Cove Ramblers, especially, uh, and even with Waterford, we were kind of we had to use young players. And I felt myself um, that I had to spend too much time on stuff that I shouldn't be spending on as as a senior manager. And I was interested how this was happening, that the, the very basic elements of the game still had to be taught at that level. Uh, so I, I kind of had a look at it and I could see why it was happening. So it was great to kind of uh, have the time to, to sit down, have a look at it, analyse it do some research on it and then try and impact young players from as young as eight years of age right up to, to senior players and to see how we can make a difference. So like I said, it, it's kind of consumed me ever since. So I kind of started with two and we something like 52 players now. And, uh, you know, we can see a, a real difference in them. But like I'm not, I'm not saying that's because of me. What I'm saying is because these young players have a huge appetite to learn and we, and we have fantastic talent on this island. Well, I think we have to nurture it. I think we go from A to D rather than A, B, C, D in this country. And, you know, I think we have to have that process in place, uh, age-specific age uh, development models. That, believe it or not, it's not always about the football. It's about their athletic development. There's so much involved uh, in, in developing a player. It's not just going out coaching sessions. Yeah. When you look at that process, Steve, and 
a lot of the League of Ireland teams are obviously from 14 upwards. Um, the big work is done with schoolboys because when you're at 8, 9, 10, 11 years of age, you're, you're developing your how comfortable you are on the ball. Is that why we're seeing better players now coming through in the League of Ireland because there's a lot more people doing coaching courses not just the FAI and UEFA coaches but or badges but there's all sorts of different uh, techniques and you know we'll talk about cover coaching and different ones like that I suppose is it because coaches are going into these courses learning educating themselves better at the lower levels is that one of the reasons why that they're finding in the League of Ireland a better quality of player do you think? Well, yeah, I, th- I think um, we can't underestimate and we shouldn't underestimate the huge, huge, huge importance of, of, of grassroots clubs in relation to the development of football players. It's easy to say that they come into League of Ireland at 14, but very often what I'm finding is that the work done before uh, their 13 years of age will have a will have a, an impact on how far these players are going to go in the game. Um, it's very easy to see a good player who has natural balance, who has natural coordination, who has a natural affiliation with the ball. And it's very easy to dismiss a young player who looks awkward. Um, But the question, we don't ask the the right questions in relation to why do they look awkward? Um, You know, what is the training that we're doing? Are we doing enough plyometrics for them? Are we doing enough quick feet work with them? Are we giving them, are we working on their fundamental motor skills? And this is the area where, where grassroots clubs uh, really have a huge impact on on the development of that player, and I think that's that's an area where we kind of overlook. Um, you know, throwing them in at fourteen, you have to understand. Well, I I seen players in Shelbourne who were playing under fourteen, and they were about four foot, and they come back to us at under fifteen, and they were six foot. Yeah. So the process of taking that two foot leap. Um, was having a huge impact on that player in terms of, of how he ran. Obviously, there was injuries getting incurred in that. But too often, we're, we're, we're dismissing this player's ability because we don't understand the background of the, the kind of the physiology of the player and how their development and the maturity and how that's gone through. So, But like you say, then, you know, we have a lot of um, coaching courses going on now at the moment. Um there is, a, there is an argument that some of them are getting thrown out like confetti. I think if you have a look at it, there's, there's more UEFA coaches in this country than there isn't probably UEFA. I don't know. you know, <laughs> And we have to be very careful how we do that. Um, but I do believe there's a huge market for um, that kind of, the small side of the game, side of, the, uh, of, of coach development. And it's, it's something that we have to put a lot more time into because if we can get and have a better understanding of how players grow, how they mature, um, give them the, the athletic, turn them into athletes first. There's loads of time to become a footballer. Mm. Well, let's turn them into athletes first. Let's give them all the tools. Let's give them all the basic uh, tools to become an athlete and then let them develop into whatever sport they choose. And if that's football, at least they have that athletic background to, to take them on to the next levels and we won't be so judgmental going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we could, I could talk all day with coaching with you, but we're not going to go too deep into that because uh, I, I, I might sneak you back on. We're going to have a coaching one in the next week or two, Stephen. So I might have you in with a couple of other coaches to uh, discuss coaching within Ireland. want to go on to a few of the topics in the League of Ireland this week. And Nathan, you're not on the podcast this week. I'm just going to keep talking to Stephen here. <laughs> yeah, that's far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's no, it. I'll dip out, <laughs> uh, No, I've got, I've got to start with Stephen on this one. Uh, as you said, the, the crowds 
the attendances are up uh, the interest is up in the League of Ireland but also we're starting to notice fan behaviour the more people are in the more likely that there's going to be some sort of trouble and with clubs all around the country putting out word that flares and bottles are not to be thrown onto the pitch it's 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 slightly worrying because this is not what Irish fans are known for well, no, because we're not known for having Irish fans, really. The grounds have never been really full. Um, you know, I think an awful lot of clubs are getting caught out, to be brutally honest with you. I don't know if you were, I was. Um, the amount of sold out. Now, I understand that, you know, some of the sold out grounds, half the grounds closed and what have you. But they're still, it's still great to see that the sold out signs are coming up. There's thousands of people going to matches now rather than hundreds. Um, and, and clubs, I think, have been caught out... Um, you know, we have to understand as well that the majority of these clubs are, are been run by very ordinary people like ourselves who, who have no real experience in dealing with with, with mass crowds. Um, you know, so if you walk into a ground, you'll see you'll see a lad there and you're saying, if this kicks off here, he's not going. And you wouldn't expect him to go there. So I suppose what we have to look at now in relation to the sizes, that what, what are the police presence at these grounds? Very often the police presence isn't huge. Very often yeah. you can't see them. Um, so yes, you may have some form of um, uh, security uh, company that will do your match day security for you and stuff like that. But most of this trouble seems to be happening outside the grounds as well. I don't know. I've heard a lot of um, trouble going on outside the grounds. Um, you know, and that's probably because there there isn't a huge police presence. So I suppose we have to have a look at it and we have to accept and, and be grateful. I'm delighted that the crowds are going up, but we have to kind of grow with that. Uh, you can't sustain um, your security protocol for 1,000 people when there's actually three, 4,000 people showing up at your matches. So, you know, obviously that's an added cost. Uh, clubs will always try and reduce their costs in some way. But like you say, it was a very genetic, generic statement set out by all the clubs. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of clubs and the wording was nearly the exact same. So this yeah. was obviously something that was issued to them by the FAI and they all just sprung it out there on, on, on social media. But, you know, it's very hard for the FAI to go finding clubs. You know, I think it's been said before, when nearly every one of their promotional ads is is fireworks or, you know, players <laughs> in the yeah, crowd. And, and, stuff, and it yeah. looks absolutely magnificent. It looks absolutely it magnificent. And if, if you could get it in some kind of controlled format, I don't know if that's possible or not. Where uh, you know they add to the occasion, they definitely add to the to, to the occasion. But like the FAI themselves would have to stop, um, you know, throwing out all these. Um, with you a know, minute. With, uh, with the, with the flares, like you're saying, come on, this is the experience. Yeah, this is what it's like. It's brilliant. It's fabulous. You know, yeah, all this atmosphere here. Oh, by the way, we can do it at the FAI Cup final, but you can't do it in your own ground. So, you know, there just has to be a bit more dialogue there. Obviously, there has to be, um, you know, the clubs are going to have to grow in relation to the size of the crowds that are growing with them. Some of the clubs are going to try and get away with it. Yeah. Make no bones about it. They're going to try and get away with it. But the consequence of that is probably what we see. Yeah. Nathan, yeah, yeah. you've been at a couple of games this year. What's been your, and you're, obviously you're down in Sligo and there was a bit of trouble down in Sligo. Yeah, so, yeah, there was. Um, I don't know if you were at that, but what did you hear and what have you seen so far? 
Yeah, yeah, there's some, some uh, unsavory scenes, but uh, and actually, like what Stephen was saying, a lot of them taken outside, um, off the showgrounds, uh, involving. Uh, but even like that, people, I was gonna say a small group of Sligo and Dundalk fans, because that's a thing that comes up, doesn't it? That it, it, it's a minority, but even if I'm looking at twenty or thirty people, that that's still that's still be a, a, a large enough group, and it's a serious incident waiting to happen. Which is a shame because things like this, you know, these videos leaking out, it's going to halt the great momentum we're seeing in the league so far. Because we've talked about it, Roy, haven't we? Uh, even the first couple of weeks, the, the the build up to the league this year has been excellent. Uh, the attendance has been brilliant. The atmosphere is great. Um, the the, the on field play as well, bar a couple of a uh, couple of questionable defensive moments uh, throughout the leagues, uh, it's, it's been a really really high standard. But things like this will halt the momentum and it will it'll stop people, particularly you know families people with young kids um, couples things like that you know because you're always going to get your core fans that are going to come down uh, regardless but again it's all about making the, making the league attractive and if we're going to be seeing this because unfortunately this is one of the things that the league always makes the mainstream media for isn't it it's, it's always when there's, there's trouble at games or violent, for violent incidents at games so we do, we really, really do. Because I do agree with Stephen, the, the, the FEI is trying to find himself in a place where they're trying to have that cake and eat it. Where it's, oh look how great the atmosphere is, but it's also, you, they're not they're trying to stamp out this behaviour. And while they should, I, I'm, I've said it before, I wrote articles all of it before, I'd be an advocate of private techniques. I enjoyed my games, I think of build the atmosphere nicely. It's a shame when they're in the, the hands of wrong people that you can't turn nasty. You know, we've seen it uh, at the Cork and Bray game a couple of weeks ago. They're getting thrown on the pitches and it can be a danger to goalkeepers, players and even other fans around them. But, um, yeah, it is. I think a bit of an onus must also come on self-policing, but in the right sort of manner between the fans. Because, as Stephen said, you know, trying to up the security and up the policing at these games is going to be a significant cost to clubs that you just can't afford if we're being realistic. So, it's, you know, trying to stamp that out between ourselves and to continue to grow, you know, the the the... the the good side of the league of what we're, what we're seeing because it has been a really good start to the season in terms of attendance, you know, uh, not only in the Premier Division but in the Fourth Division as well, you know, it's, it's been absolutely a joy to see. So it's it's a shame we have to talk about this, you know, we should be talking about the positives of the league but it's, yeah, it's something that we're going to have to stamp out and I think uh, self-policing is, is something that we will have to look at within reason. Yeah, yeah. We need to call someone a gobshite and, 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 and tell them to cop on to themselves. Uh, Nathan, just your microphone, just pull it slightly away from your mouth. Not, it's just a little bit close. Uh, we're going to go on to the league. And Stephen, Shamrock Rovers have already been beaten twice this season, uh, which wasn't happening in the half season. And last year was a pretty t- tough thing to do within four games to beat Shamrock Rovers twice. Uh, what can you put a finger on, on on why that is? Has the, the the league improved? Are they just a target now? What do you think? Well, uh, yeah, of course they're a target, and they have been for many years. Uh, it's look at um, it makes no odds what league you're you're competing in. It's very very difficult to win it, let alone to try and win it three years on the trot. Um, you know, Shamrock Rovers are a quality side. Um, what there are there now is there there are an awful lot of personalities within the squad um, and that's a huge that's a huge job for a manager and his coaching staff to try and manage those egos um, there's some really top players um, you know and but we cannot underestimate the fact that the likes of the Derry Cities and the Sligo Rovers and the St. Patrick's Athletics 
and the Dundalks. Dundalk are, are not going away anytime soon. There's this league is as competitive as it has ever been. There's an awful lot of quality um, uh, teams in it. Um, there's an awful lot of very competitive teams in it. And when, what I say by that, even the teams down the bottom are competitive. Teams up at top are not so much looking for top four. They're looking to win the league. Shamrock Rovers players, it's 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 very hard to really kind of drive yourself. Um, when you've been so successful, how can you do it? And it kind of it defines you, not just as an individual, but as a team and as a club. And I think Rovers will win the league this year. I think they will get their house in order. Um, a little bit surprised that they lost too, but they will they will get it together because there's too much quality in that team, and they still have some fantastic leaders, the likes of the Finns and McManus and Gold. There's, there's some really good boys there who are capable of, of doing a job, doing a manager's job for the manager when it needs to be done. They're invaluable, those type of players. So I, I'm delighted that they've lost the first two matches, not because I'm anti <laughs> delighted for oh, the league. Steven. You know what I mean? I'm delighted for the league. I'm delighted that, you know, hang on a second. This is They're not going to steamroller this. This is going to be really competitive. This is going to go the whole hog. And, and you know, you can say that Derry, it's only that first year together. But this, this league... It's synonymous with changing your players year in, year out. And, you know, we, we don't think the managers in this league get enough credit for that. That, you know, you, you put a squad together and you're just as you're about to take off, someone comes in, takes all your best players, you have to go and you have to start again. Rovers haven't had to do that. They managed to keep them on and add. Uh, you know, but Derry City and, and Higgins, Higgins looks like a really, really good lad. In terms of his personality, he seems to be a really nice man, and it looks like players will really play for him. Um, you know, and you know that that Derry, Derry, when they get on a roll, they're very hard to stop. It's a, it's such a horrible place to go up. It's an awful long distance to go up there. The Brandywell crowd are absolutely magnificent for that team, and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Derry pushed them all the way. And if I, I think if anybody's gonna win it, no, I'm sorry, Nathan. I think if anybody is gonna win it, it won't be Pat, so it will be Derry. It's gonna be it's gonna I think it's gonna be a great league. Um yeah. you know, but I do think uh what you call it, Stephen this year, more than any, is gonna find it really difficult in managing that group. I think you know what I mean? I think I think it's it's gonna be hard for him, but I think if anybody can do it, he can. Because he's kind of embedded in that culture. That culture has been embed- has been made by Stephen. Well, you know? like you said, Stephen, he has a huge squad, but that squad is full of quality. So, if they're not winning games, people are going to ask questions. Like Graham Bork isn't getting in, but he's scoring goals when he's coming in. So he's going to start asking questions if he's not in that team. So this is something that he hasn't had to deal with before. Well, no, but you see, like the problem there was if Bork come in and he wasn't scoring goals. That's when Stephen would have a problem because that would mean Bork didn't care. You know what I mean? So, like, the fact that Bork is coming in, he's not getting regular game time as much as he wants. Uh, he's coming in and he's still producing. So, so that's a good sign. You know, I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a good sign. But, but will he, but will he in the next 10 games if things aren't going right? you know what I'm saying? That, that it's well, possible the, that... Yeah, well, you see, what I'm, what I'm saying to you is this, that should if Bork continues, to, then he plays himself into the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? He plays himself into the team. So there's, there's obvious reasons why he's not getting the game time. Because like you know, we can we can have an opinion on a player. We think he's a great player. We've made our mind up. He's a great player, and then he's not playing. And we're saying, why is he not playing? Because he's a great player. You are not privy to what's going on in the background. You don't know what's happening within the training pitch. You don't know what's happening within the dressing room. You don't know 
if there's issues going on in family like you know what I mean we just make a, a snap decision that this player is a great player he should be playing Stephen Bradley knows why he's not playing and Bork knows why he's not playing and that's and that's the real issue but when Bork comes on and he makes a difference that's a good sign when Bork comes on and he's not showing any interest that's probably when Stephen will start worrying okay uh, Nathan you were at the Pats Rovers game were you yeah, oh yeah, Jesus, and... that's a waste of breath, you're never going to get back right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what you'd be at half the time, Nathan. I, right, you're down the back. I, I don't know how many trains come back from Sligo, you know, I don't know I what's happening. I would walk so. up that end for <laughs> it wouldn't bother me in the least. Do, <laughs> did you see uh, uh, Shamrock Rovers this year that were any way different, or did you see the same Pats that were any way different? Because again, after three games, Pats were being questioned. Yeah, they were. Um, it was a massive result for Pats, even though it, it, it's very early days in the season. We won't get too ahead of ourselves, but the, not only the results, but the performances against Sligo, um, and particularly Bohemians, were extremely underwhelmed. The Bohemians game um, from a St. Pats fan, it's it was one of the worst performances I, I, I can remember since it's probably when we got knocked out of the cup against UCD when Harry Kenny was in charge. Um, starts a couple of years back now, so yeah, very very important. Um, again, we're, we're seeing um, seeing Chris Forrester mature into into a nice player. You know, he's changed up his game in the mid- midfield himself. And Jamie Lennon had a nice uh, nice partnership forming there. They're starting to sit a little bit deep. We had Adam O'Reilly get his first start for the club. He's on loan from Preston. We seen him at uh, Waterford last season. He was really really good in the midfield. Uh, Joe Redmond, another uh, centre half, went under the radar for Pats. He's been he's been uh, very solid. But um, if I look at Shamrock Rovers on the day itself, that uh, being there, it's it sort of goes back to what Stephen was saying. It, does, it looks like it's uh, the harmonious nature within the group just qu- isn't quite there at the minute. You know, Danny Mandreu was taken off quite early. wasn't happy to go off. Uh, Jack Bourne really just w- w- was missing in the game completely. So. If I was looking at Shamrock Rovers this season, I know we could talk about the strikers and the right-back position is one as well that's chocked, isn't it? Full of talent. But for me, it's the midfield, you know, because I think it's extremely difficult if you look at Shamrock Rovers' midfield to get Jack Bourne, Richie Towell and Danny Mandreu in that same system and they're up to the three marquee names in that squad. Because for me, the only midfielder that can sit deep in that Shamrock Rovers team and consistently stay there is Gary O'Neill. So he, he's an absolute focal point in that midfield and he, he'd be a regular starter for me. So it's it's trying to shift him, those three guys, and the likes of Ronan Finn and Dylan Watts as well, who would walk into any other team in the League of Ireland, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, look, while, while it's it's only early days, these are all interesting tidbits that Stephen Bradley's going to have to work out. Stephen, Chris Forrester or Jack Bourne, if you had to pick one to go into your team, who would you pick? Oh, you have to stop your nonsense there. That, that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, where do you go with that? You know, like, the, both of them on their day are just a joy, genuine a joy to watch. Like, you know, that the nutmeg Forrester come up with against yeah. Shelburne, he deserves player of the month for that alone. <laughs> you know, I, I seen that, and I said, he didn't do that. And then I seen it in in um, in the replay. And he, he rolled it with his studs under his legs on the edge of his box. And I got, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's phenomenal. But... I, the, both of them in relation and the, the range of passing that both of them have you know mm-hmm. it's 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 just absolutely phenomenal and you know it's it's worth the entrance fee alone just to go out and see one of those those boys hitting one exquisite pass and you know it's it's so difficult to to separate them to be brutally honest with you it's just so difficult to separate them in, in terms of like who's better than who 
obviously uh Chrissy he's he's more experienced now, you know, he's that but he's went through a tough time. I think we're all aware of that. Um but he, he seems to be playing quite literally with a smile on his face. I think he, he was laughing in, in Talk Park. Um, you know, but he has this he just he just seems to be love that he has that love of the game back. He's really enjoying himself and, and when him and when he's like that, some of the stuff he gets up to is phenomenal. He even scored I think he scored with his head and he scored a header against Shamrock. Yeah, right. yeah. That's and right. you know what it's one what, sign of his that game that, that you never see, like isn't it? Yeah, his head and ability it's, it's and what a header is it was Nathan, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is a proper centre forwards header. You know, very yeah. interesting. I think that says it all about where 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 for, uh, where he is at the moment. You know, uh, Jack. You know, people forget Jack hasn't played in over a year. You know yeah. what I mean? The boy was injured. And he had a very serious uh, back injury, and you know he's and I know better than most people. When you get a back injury, it's it's not nice. It's very debil- debilitating. Um, you know, obviously when you have a back problem, there's so much things you can't do. Especially if you're a professional footballer, so it would have been very hard for him. So I, I, I would imagine, you know, Jack has so much quality; he's going to show little flashes of it. But I would imagine it would be kind of the second series of games before you really see what what the old Jack back injury. Uh, you know, please God, he doesn't get injured again. He can get his fitness. He can get his match fitness, and uh, you know, and. Okay, well, I think well, I think we're just blessed to have the two of them in the league. To be honest with you, you know, absolutely, you know, because I think the the league needs. Poster boys, don't they? They need people that you know to for kids to look up to and go, "Whoa, I want to be, I want to be that player." Instead of looking across the water, which obviously you should be looking across the water anyhow, because the level is fantastic there as well. Okay, uh, first division, uh, Nathan. We'll just quickly just go a run through on the first division. Uh, surprises not that Waterford are top, but probably more of a surprise that Bray are stuck rock bottom at the moment, and we didn't expect to see that. Yeah, see, because it was such an, an eventful off-season for them with the emerge of a cabin Teeley. Uh, I, not, I think you predicted to, to, to win the league, Roy. Am I right, right in saying that? We had a little chat together. No proof. I, 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 it could have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're like, you change that here and now when you finish top of the table. Watch, oh, I said it from day one, boys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't too sure about them coming in. Like, it's, don't get you wrong, it, it's it's probably one of the, the, the most, um, the, the deepest squad in, in the country when you're bringing the two of them together. Um for the fourth division, it really, really is. But yeah, some of the surprise, and, and not only that, but the, I think it was against Cork City at the opening day. They were absolutely spanned six nothing against them. Uh, the Dylan McGlade show that day. Now, in fairness, they, they did get off to a, to a tough start fixture wise with Cork and Waterford, so yeah, that, that's not going to help them either. I think they're playing Galway next as well, so that's not ideal either. Um, but again, with these sort of things, you have to give it uh, 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 like you no know, full round of fixtures to see how they kick on, especially when you do have a break, break, having Teeley, whatever we're calling them now, um, with so many chop, chopping and changing uh, throughout the off season. And even, I was insane, there's still actually not a manager there set in stone. I think Pat, no Pat Devlin is there, but I think they're still waiting to appoint a manager, aren't they? Yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah, so. Yeah. And, and that's not going to help their cause. Uh, someone who has been brilliant so far is uh, or some team is Treaty Stephen and they've been just sent from the heavens really it shows you that you don't have to have big budgets to be able to uh, create a bond and a team and and a a, a working ethic I suppose within a group and there's been a fantastic job done down there hasn't there? Ah yeah Tommy you know Tommy I don't know if you know Tommy Barrett but he's one of he's genuinely one of the nicest people you'll meet 
he, he has a background in, in care and, uh, you know, looking after underprivileged and what have you. So you, you have to have a certain personality to do that. But to be able to bring that kind of personality within to a, a professional environment, which he has done with Treaty, there is a, there is a really close bond amongst those players. Um, they they there's no egos. Uh, they understand our limitations, which is hugely important um, at any level of the game. You have to understand your limitations. Treaty do. They have their strengths. They play to their strengths. Very difficult to be, um, you know. And they have some match winners in the team as well. So. Uh, you know, they, they've been incredible. Last year was a fantastic season for them. And I think we're all, we'd all be agreed that we need a we need a vibrant Limerick club represented in, in League of Ireland football. I think everybody, irrespective of what their name is, uh, Limerick needs to be represented. Uh, and, you know, that team is representing that county magnificently at the moment. Uh, was it four points from six? Four points from six. Yeah. And if you if you look at how they were set up last year, it was last minute uh, dot com that he, he he hadn't got a team nearly a week or ten days before the league. He got grabbed a whole load of players from here, there and everywhere. Um and the style of football that they had last year was effective, but you can see it evolving now. You can see them that they're starting to, to gel now and, and he and he's getting a good bond together. Nathan I'm going to move on from Treaty because there's been a lot of talk about the Pats and Bows temporary ground share, but there's been a bit of word on Daily Mount uh, today. Give us the whole lowdown because this is something that well, we might have predicted. Yeah, it's something that we did touch on, isn't it? Especially when you're you're dealing with the Dublin City Council or any council, really. In fact, when it comes to you know planning stages and trying to get permission, and we even said, oh, there could be a stage where we could have Daly Mount and Tolka Park be in limbo uh, for the next ten years or so. And yeah, so look, we just run through. Um, if this is coming out of the latest Dublin City Council meeting, um, and it's regarding the process, well, the, the future process of the redevelopment of Daly Mount Park, and it said that the process is now uh, uncertain until they receive clarity on a large-scale sports infrastructure fund application. So. We, there was a statement released for you, and you've seen it as well. And, <coughs> I was going to uh, say, t- talk, to us in Eng- talk to us in English was, there. Yeah, Nathan. it was lengthy, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, I, I, did, I tried to put it in uh, in Dublin layman's terms, so we'll see how we get on with it. So yeah, uh, the, pretty much the Dublin City Council applied for a grant of over £1 million. Uh, and they were awarded almost uh, 920000 So that was for the design process That's of right, Daily yeah. Mount Park. Um so that was it until the stage. No other grants have been uh, have been received uh, for Bo- uh, for the Bohemians redevelopment uh, to Dublin City Council. So as we know, Roy, we talked about it before the redevelopment as a whole. It was something like it's just around twenty five million, isn't it? Yeah. Twenty five million euro is going to cost. Um, so the Dublin City Council need to provide thirty percent of that, which is almost twenty five million. Um, so, but the application for the current. Uh, large-scale sports infrastructure fund uh, grant. That's an absolute mouthful to say. I hope that doesn't come up mm. again. And that's now closed. And they now have to, so Dublin City Council now have to come up with that 25 million uh, if they were to receive any other uh, grants of that kind. So, yeah, it's it's definitely cause for concerns for Bohemians fans, uh, especially because, let's be honest, this daily amount, the, the process has been strenuous if you're looking at the the cost of it, I you know the 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 
the crowd, well, the, the attendance, not the attendance figure, the capacity figures dropped down drastically as well. I think it's down to 6,000. So, yeah, it really, really is. And for me, you're, you're, you're going to be looking at a stage where we could be looking at this uh, sitting in limbo for the next 10 years or so, which, from a Bohemian's point of view, well, not only that, but from a League of Ireland point of view as well, it's, it's a real shame to see because in, in a world where we have a redeveloped Daly Mount Park and a redeveloped Tolka Park and, you know, we have Tallis Stadium, a fantastic ground in, uh, within Dublin, it, it can only benefit the league. And we're seeing it as well with Sligo Rovers and Finn Half. You talked about this a lot, you know, that there's work being uh, done there regarding the facilities as well. And, yeah, it's absolutely vital. Um, and this is this is a massive blow to, to Bohemians in terms of their redevelopment of Daly Mount. Yeah, I'm not sure your maths was quite right there with the percentages. I wouldn't say so, no. no but we'll we, no. we move on uh, as if that wasn't a, so. a problem. I tried to, tried to check it out <laughs> But in other words, they still have a hell of a lot and they're after missing out yeah. on a deadline that they, they shouldn't have. <laughs> Stephen, listen, I suppose a lot of League of Ireland fans will be pessimists because they've they've seen and heard all this sort of stuff before. Uh, what's your thoughts on the whole development thing? First of all, it was to try and get rid of Talca and put the two teams in together. Um, Shelburne fans didn't want that. The second thing was it went from 10,000 down to 6,000 and went from 10 million up to 30 million or whatever it was. So I think a few people have been discussing this slightly on a negative term, albeit hoping and, and, and wanting to be positive that this is going to go through. And this is just another sign that maybe, maybe that negativity is, is founded, I suppose. Well, well, it is founded because like, it, it's happened too many times in the past. Ask them Harps where they are with their new stadium. Astro had the United where they are with their new stadium. You know what I mean? This this is an ongoing thing that's that's regular occurrence. It's just unfortunate that one of the most two of the most historical grounds in the whole country are subject to this kind of stuff. Uh, Daily Mound, obviously, you, you'd love to see it re- redevelopment uh, of that ground. She needs it. She badly yeah. needs. It. Now, I only did. I'm originally from Cabra. So, you know, I walk out my hall door in Cabra. I can see the lights. I can see the stadium. Uh, she's an iconic stadium. But yeah, you'd love to see her getting the facelift that she deserves. Likewise, down on Talca, that ground needs to be saved as well. Um, but obviously, there's a cost. And, and you know, there's, there's a history with this. And I'd love to know how the process of these grounds work. I don't. How do you start something and then leave it for 10 years? Certainly, something of the scale of a of a of a, a stadium. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you're saying they're going from ten thousand to six thousand. You know, can we? I went when I was doing my pro license. We were over in um, Holland, and we we went to a couple of the the Premier Division games over there. And a lot of the grounds over there are between six and twelve thousand. I'll see our uh, stadiums, and and some of them, the majority of them, are uh, astro pitches, and mm. They're very much um, centred on community. And, you know, when, when we were going to the likes of Excelsior and places like that, Pexwalla was the ground we were in. It was a 12,000 all-seater stadium. Um, the whole community around that used that stadium. There's, uh, bottom, one side of it was all the shopping centres, it was a shopping mall, it was coffee shops, uh, industrial park. Uh, and then the other side was obviously the football ground. Um the, the the catering was a huge thing for for Dutch football on match day. You know what I mean? These these are all things that um, you know. I felt that when we're looking at stadiums, Holland, not look at that football, not the real doctor thing. If every one thing we were going to look at in Holland, have, let's have a look at their stadiums. Their stadiums are designed perfectly for what Ireland need. 
they go from 4,000 to 12,000. Then obviously you have the Ajax ones that are, you know, the Aviva kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you. But, um, you know, I, I just, there has, some, some has to be some form of an investigation. How you can go from 10 to 30 million. Um, how you have two clubs, then you have one club. How was how all this setting? Uh, who's who's uh, who's in charge of um, who's the project manager? Uh, who's been accountable for this? And too often, you know, it's not just in football, it seems in, in, in our governments, there's no accountability anymore. You can literally start something, you can literally say something, and then gone, done, nothing, no accountability for it whatsoever. So, I, I've only heard that news there now, I'm a bit shocked at that. Um, I take you know, it a bit pinch of salt, Stephen. In fairness, I was, I was try, like trying to take Latin, trying to take some of the information over. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, it's mostly I'd say, it's, I'd say it's about eighty percent spot on. In fairness, you know what I mean. But again, Latin. Who's ever designing this must be Latin because nobody seems to understand what's going on. You know, and it's it's it's, it's really sad because like you know I, we genuinely have a, a fantastic product here, but you know we have to stop going from a cult support to a national support. Yes. You know what I mean? And for us to do that, like our grounds, we love our grounds, right? We do. We love our grounds. They're, they're historical. They're, they're there. But they need redevelopment and we need to go from cult setting to, you know, national setting. We need to attract more supporters in the gate. Um, we're talking of the foresters and the jackborns of this world. You know, these people are going to bring people in through the gate. Um, on the pitch, I think we'll keep them. At this moment of time, off the pitch is probably where we're going to lose them. Yeah, and, and as, stay- as well, like like I don't want to keep going back to uh, you know for a Pat's point of view, but we've seen it ourselves, you know, when when they proposed yes. uh, Richmond Arena, what was rejected by Dublin City Council, and that was the same, Stephen. It, it was very community based, and over in the vacant lot of St Michael's Estate across the road from Richmond, which uh, it was just the, the reasons that it was rejected for have, have, have just mind-boggling at the time you know where it, it was, seemed like I've seen, gonna, I've seen that Nathan I've seen, I've seen yeah, the plans yeah. for that and that's exactly what that's what I'm talking about that's yeah. that's the coach model that's the stadium yeah. model that involves the whole community and in Chicago yeah. would have embraced that they would yeah. have loved it do you know what I mean and, and the stadium everything is, that's exactly what we're crying out for and I suppose now with the exposure the League of Ireland is getting you know, now that JD is no longer involved, and now we have a we have an FEO who are genuinely who seem to be working towards, you know, really building up this product. You know what I mean? We have to get the Dublin councils onto it. We have to get all the councils onto this. On board. And see that it's not a League of Ireland product. This this is this is a this is a community project. Yes, and creates jobs as well, and we've got to be we've got to focus on that as well. Um, Nathan, just with that Pat's project. It, that was the, the reason behind it. They were talking about building apartments and stuff like that. It, it, nothing's happened, has it? No, no, nothing at all. Like, and we're, with St. Michael's in the past, it was built up to all apartments and it, it got a reputation, uh, you know, for it was a lot of uh, high drug volume and, and crime rate and things like that. Where, yeah, well, it's and even not as a Pats fan, take myself away. Like I'm on, I'm, as you know, I'm from Ballyfermer, which is just down the road from uh, from Inchicore, and I went to school in Inchicore. I socialised. I have a, have a big, big affiliation to Inchicore itself. Like and just did, did see, you know, when we first seen the plans, we were all in the mansion house when the plans got released. We went to a night to go talk about it, how it would pretty much bring the community and Pats together. It'd be a symbiotic relationship and. Everything seemed perfect, and there was no reason why Dublin City Council were going to reject it. 
Um, but yeah, ever since it's gone by the wayside, and now we're, we're hearing people talking. You mentioned the day about the proposed uh, temporary ground chair between Bohemians and St. Pat's, and you have Pat's fans now looking at it as, oh God, this could be a way back into the Dublin City into Dublin City Council's good books. <laughs> it's doesn't work it like that. Be. It should no, not at all, and it shouldn't be the reason to do it. You know, there should be no reason why these community hubs aren't being built up when when. when solid proposals are, are, are being shown to councils around the country. Yeah. Um, the FAI have a strategy plan now set out. They've they've launched it with pride. Uh, and the biggest thing they talked about was the League of Ireland, uh, backing the League of Ireland and making sure money was brought in. Begging, I think, was what they were doing. They're going to beg the, the councils, they're going to beg the, the government and uh, everyone and anyone who they can put their hand out to. I would love to see how far they're going to get down the road with that. I'd love to know now if they've done any background work on that or if this is just uh, the wish list that we, we discussed before, Nathan. Nathan, we'll go on to back to football and the uh, player of the month award is up for grabs. Stephen's already given it to Forrester, but uh, you try and make a case that it's not for him, even though you're a Pats fan. <laughs> no, I have to say, I, you, you, no, it wouldn't be for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's the February uh, player of the bunts. Tough one to go for. So we'll run through the nominees, will we? Um, obviously, we'll start with Chris Forrester. He's uh, probably been past best player this season. I know he's Stephen's pick. Good man, Stephen. We'll take that anyway. Uh, Jack Bourne, another lad that we mentioned here. Um, it, it, that game in particular against Rotterdam United, he was. You, you could see the Jack Bourne of all, couldn't you, with that yeah. cracking goal and the assist. And he's only going to get better, Jack. And I'll actually be interested to see can he find him back into the Ireland setup. I, I, I really, really think that he's, for me, he's head and shoulders the best player in the league on his day. So if we can get back to his old his old form and fitness, and we're starting to see that, there's no reason why he can't. Um, then we have Stephen Bradley from Dundalk we were talking about him last week weren't we yep. one of the, uh, the early signs of the seasons four goals in four games uh, we have Sligo goalkeeper Ed McGinty two clean sheets in three games uh, pulled off some cracking saves uh, Jamie McGonagall from Derby City another one that scored two goals it was a vital goal against Shamrock Rovers in the last minute to, to pick up the three points there and he's going to be an absolute massive cog in, in that Derby system if, if they're going to be successful this year and then finally, uh, Promise Omashiri, which was probably the one that stood out a little bit. Uh, now we were talking about Roy uh, earlier on. He's another one that got two goals, but um, sent off in the last game against Finn Harps. That might damper his prospects a little bit. So uh, look, the, the official winner is going to be announced uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the 9th of March. By the time this goes out, it's, it's probably already being announced. So what do you reckon? Uh, who are we going to go with? Stephen, are you going to, are you going to stick your guns? Are you going to go with Chris Forrester? Or, or who do you think will... will look here, you know what? It's... You go through every one of those players, and every one of those players has had a really, really productive month. Uh, in relay, it's it's no coincidence that there's no defenders there, by the way. Some of these are <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. horrendous. I've I've never seen that in like it. Jesus, but um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say Forrester. I think Forrester, you know, he's been magnificent. I, um, you know, a lot of this is about personality as well. I just think he's a really, really good lad. He's a he's a top quality footballer. He's playing the game with a smile on his face, genuine smile on his face, really doing a smile on his face, and just for the nuts on the edge of the box alone, I give it. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't underestimate what um, you know. McGonagall's been excellent for Derry. Let's be honest, McGonagall's yeah. been really, really excellent. And Bradley, obviously, is just saying he's at the scoring an awful lot of goals. I, I don't think um, promises um, a shock. I think that's a that's a huge um, boost uh, to fill he had yep. with, with Georgie Kelly. 
I thought he'd come in and he's been magnificent for them. He's still a young boy. And and the sending off, you know, was that was outrageous. You know, that's shocking, was Yeah. I didn't think so. It's the second yellow card. He threw his arm out. You know, it's probably a yellow card. I mean, I don't know what the first yellow card was. Yeah, you've been talking great. And don't start your nonsense now. (laughs) (laughs) Letting yourself down 45 minutes in. I like the nice firm tackles, you know. I like the 50-50s. Okay, so uh, you're going for Chris Forrester. You didn't say who you're going for, Nathan. Uh, Stephen Bradley. Yeah, go, go. Stephen Bradley. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is anybody, you know, do you think anybody missed out? Anybody that really could have gotten nuts? Um... Yeah, like, I do agree with Stephen. There's going to be no defenders that's going to come up in this conversation um, as good as, as the play has been this year. Like, I was actually watching some of the, the the goal of the months that was on that LOI TV. And as good as some of the strikes were, some of the defending was, was absolutely woeful. Like, a, like even, yeah, you know, yeah. to me, that's what I highlighted, Nathan. I think, I think um, that's what I highlighted, that, you know, the, the, the quality of the goals were, you know, the finishes were good. But some of the... You know, you shouldn't be seeing her at this level of the game, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of defending, you shouldn't be seeing at this level of the game. Stephen, just something that I noticed on uh, quite a few goals, and I look back uh, through different videos, just on, on games uh, this season so far. Corner kicks, tell me what your thoughts are on this. A lot of corner kicks, defending corner kicks, teams do not have players on the posts. I find that baffling because the amount of times a ball just loops into a corner. I don't know. Listen, what do you think? Tell me. No, like it's very much, uh, you know, managers have different perceptions of, of um, you know, how you set up. The, the zonal is becoming very popular again now, um, you know, where they're not marking anybody, basically. You know, they're just marking zones, um, man-to-man marking. I think, I think you have to have, uh, someone on your back post. I do believe you have to have someone on your back post, and I do believe that if the front man who's the who's um, uh, defending the front post near post corner, if that yeah. ball goes over his head, he needs to be jumping back onto a post. You're right, yeah. You know what I mean. But um, you know, you're, well, you're 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 kind of hopeful that you defend the corner properly in the first place, and they're not getting something on on um, uh, you know dropping into the goal, but I, I fully agree with you. I think it's um, your post needs to be protected because, you know, the goalkeeper can only cover a certain area, especially from something that close. And especially know, when they're asking a the goalkeeper at times to come out and try and claim it or punch it or, you know, if it comes in on a six-yard box like it did for Forrester, they were they were asking questions there. So if, if he's going to come out and commit himself to that, which he didn't in, in that occasion, but if he is, he does need that cover behind him. Yeah, I, no, you're right. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. But some managers don't believe in it. That, you know what I mean. Some managers will want will actually put two up front and yeah. they look to throw players up the pitch rather than on the posts. Um, you know, I I was always skeptical. I think you need to be really. You have to have really, really good aggressive defenders to be able to do that to leave players up. Um, and if you don't have really, really aggressive defenders, well, then I agree with you. Then you do need the players on the post because there's a high, high chance that these lads aren't going to win the ball. So you need as much as the goal protected as possible. Yeah, Nathan, you want to give out a shout to Kieran Harkin? Yeah, yeah, just a quick one here. Uh, I know 40 injuries are part of the game, but uh, yeah, Derry City midfielder suffered um, an ACL rupture in the win over Shamrock Rovers, and anything like that ACL or the MCL, any knee injuries like that are quite serious and quite long term. Um, 
especially two games in Roy, uh, for Rory Higgins uh, it, he's going to have to really shuffle the pack and since Harkin has come in for me he's been one of the most underrated midfielders uh, underrated players in general even scrapped that in the league as a whole and he's been an ever present face um, in that Derry City team so yeah look while injuries are part of it and it happens we, we see it a lot you know with these niggly injuries but there's something as serious as this it's, it's a shame to see so yeah yeah just we think we just tip our cap with really, and just, just wish him the best and hopefully we see him uh, back sooner rather than later Absolutely, absolutely. Now we're going to back that up with a, with a fans question. Um, as we said last week, uh, not our fans, just fans in general. So <laughs> go on, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we usually have the uh, the one, one fan that, that uh, out Ronan Cavanagh, don't we? He's the only <laughs> shout out to me because fair play, uh, you, you help us out. Uh, but yeah, yeah, anyone that is uh, have a fan question or knows anybody, just get in touch with the big kickoff or Nathan Doyle. <laughs> just, yeah, just get in touch on, on social media because uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're getting desperate uh, <laughs> not going to lie cards on the table uh, this week's was sent in by Mark Larkin and if you're Mark he left a little little message said enjoyed the show uh, enjoyed the, the little bit of uh, women's national league coverage last week Roy uh, he's looking for a little bit more actually so that ties into Mark's question Mark just simply wants to know well one week into the women's national league who do you think will win it? It's, you know it's a, it's, a, it's a tough question because I'm not going to lie I don't get to see enough of the, the women's league um, I, I'm going to ask a question what do you think and we'll come back to that but what do you think is the best day I'll ask Stephen to have these fixtures on because it's free on LOI TV uh, the games are on Saturdays aren't they? Um, afternoons, yeah, yeah, Saturday afternoons. I, I, I'm not convinced that that's the best time to have these games with, of course, the the football that's across the water. So, Stephen, am I am I right? Am I wrong? Should, should it be moved to try and get the the maximum viewers, or uh, is Saturday fine? No, I when I was playing League of Ireland, Sunday was the was the kickoff. That was the day before all the floodlights come in and stuff like that. Three o'clock Sunday afternoon. That was the. Uh, I think they probably need to explore a Sunday because yeah. um, you know the women's football has really taken off in this country. Well, it's actually mm-hmm. taken off worldwide, but the quality of the game has um, has improved dramatically over the last two years. I'd say um, a lot of credit goes to um, you know the promotion, especially the the senior team. You know, there's, there's some really good players on that senior team, and you'd love to, to qualify for a for a major tournament. Yeah, the, to kick it off. Order, yeah, yeah, the promotion there. Get there's a huge even here. I, I'm down in Cove. Cove is, a, is a, she's a small town, small island, and there's huge interest. The the, the girls' game is, is is grown hugely here with Springfield Ramblers, and but that's that's reflective all across the country, and you'd love to get a, a time. You know, we have to look at it. How many women want to look at Manchester United versus Manchester City when, you know, they could be looking at uh, a league where they could aspire to be in? So I think Sundays would, would be at what time now? I don't know. But I think I think the, if they move the women's senior division to a Sunday, I think, and they and they leave it there. You see, like, again, why, you know, we have a habit in here trying stuff for six months or a year, didn't work, uh, scrap it. You know, we never give anything time to, to mature and, you know, really drive a home that this is our day, Sundays, this is our day for Women's National League. Yeah, This is the time it's on a, you know, go out and make this part of your weekend. This is part of now your, your weekend. So, like, I think Saturday, there's just too much going on on Saturdays for families. There's too much going on in terms of sports. Sunday 
is a is, is the perfect day to really kind of give the girls the the the, the showcase they deserve. Yeah, and to add right. to that as well, Stephen, like it's uh, it, like I do agree. We have a tendency to drop things after six months, but the marketing push has to be consistent with that as well. You know, we can't just expect people to know. Right, Sundays at X, X o'clock is the time for Women's National League. We should be really pushing it into the faces. And so people have a genuine knowledge of that and keep that going for, for a couple of years on the trot. And, and, and hope you see, and that's and, uh, 100%, Nathan, because, and, and, that's, and that's the problem for us. It's like that we want to establish people. Sport and anything we do, we love routine, don't we? As human beings, we love yeah. a routine. We love, the, we love to plan things. Do you know what I mean? I look at how, how you plan out this show. You have an agenda, you plan it, you stick to it, yep. you get it, bang, it's done, brilliant, right? And that's what it is. So, like, if you want to promote a game and you want to promote, this is, we have to say, Sundays is, say, three o'clock, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to talk a park, I'm going to watch shows. Yeah, I know they're playing three o'clock, Sunday afternoon, so my morning is based around this, and then it leads up to me, three o'clock afternoon, do I stay out and go out with the gang for a few points after? Do I go for dinner after it? Is there a family occasion? But that has to be consistent. That has to be allowed to feed into them. It's like it's like the television here when we do RTE. We get a run of games, and then you, I find myself falling into the, I can't wait for the match. For, and then all of a sudden, the match is gone on me. I'm going, yeah. what? what? Where's it gone? You know what I mean? So like, we just try and get a, a, a level of consistency. Let's sit down. Let's say, look, at this is, this is the match day's. And I completely agree with you. I think Saturdays, it's there's too much going on um, to try and, you know, especially when you're trying to really promote a newish kind of, uh, uh, you know, game in, in relation to the women's game. It's really taken off in the last few years. Let's, let's give them their own day. Let's really push it and, you know, and not put them up against too much. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you before we go, um, are you still interested in managing in the League of Ireland or coaching in the League of Ireland? You never say never, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? But, like, there has to be interest. There's obviously no interest at the moment. So, uh, you know, like, I'm doing me... Uh, this academy thing is something that I really... Um, I'm putting my heart and soul into. I really I really do enjoy um, watching these players develop. I really, I really... There's a great buzz over. And it's something that you don't get uh, at senior level. You get a real uh, appreciation from the player and the parent. It's not something I've ever got as a league manager. You're always called all the names under the sun. Nobody appreciates anything you ever do for them. They actually think you've done you a favour. But when you actually go out and you've 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 helped someone and they say thank you, it's it's a huge buzz. It's huge, it really yeah. you on. But like you never say never, do you? No, never. Never. Uh, Nathan, do you want to answer the, the fans' question? Because uh, y- Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Mark is sitting here on bated breath, dying to, dying to hear the answer. Who do you think will win the Women's National League this season? Oh, yeah. Shells. Shells. <laughs> do you know what? I'll throw it. I, I get the same as you, Roy. I'm not, I can't, I'm not a massive connoisseur of the Women's National League. It just just a time restraint, isn't it? It's hard enough trying to watch development division and the force division and stuff. But um yeah, it's nice to see that we can that we get to even hit the highlights now on LOI TV if you if you missed a game. And that's where um, we're gonna gain our knowledge at the moment, really, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Like even I I'll be honest, mate, we started doing this this show, even my force division knowledge was quite low and limited, but it's it's that's where you have to pick up these things. Um yeah. I suppose look P Ben got off to a great start. The the battered slug of overs that was their 
women's uh, national league debut, so it was to be expected. So, yeah, I, I think just to go against the grain, what Stephen said, I'll go with Peamounts. Yeah, you're, you're actually not going against the the, the grain because no, being, not at all. They're no. absolutely phenomenal in relation yeah. to the women's game here. They're probably the the top team in this country. And I suppose if you wanted ever wanted a promotion, I think it was the last game of the season last year where um, Peamount needed to beat Galway. Yeah. And and you know they were beating them two one or three one something handy and Galway actually come back and beat one of the best female teams this country has ever seen uh, and beat them five three and then yeah, Shelton yeah. went on to win it so if ever you wanted to promote a game we can talk about social media but these girls actually promoted that game beyond belief in relation to the performances all those teams put in that day do you know what I mean so it's important that momentum is um is continued as you say but that, I think it'll definitely down between uh, Shells and Piemont again this year. I actually remember that game in particular. Uh, Anya O'Gorman in the midfield yeah. was absolutely stellar on the night, wasn't she? She really yeah, was. Look at she's she's fantastic. She's a fantastic player. Uh, but the game itself was phenomenal. I watched the whole game. I couldn't take my eyes off it. <laughs> okay, we're going to we're going to leave it there, Stephen. It's been a pleasure talking to you um, uh, again because we had you on the the radio show a couple of years ago, I think it was, Nathan. Always a pleasure to talk to you, otherwise you wouldn't be on the show. And of course, <laughs> I want to thank everyone. Uh, uh, <laughs> I want to thank uh, everyone who's who's listening on the podcast. And again, if you want to look at our ugly mugs, you can see us over on YouTube doing the podcast and vice versa. If you're sick of our mugs, we're on the podcast. And if you're on the go, you can listen to us there as well. We'll talk to you next week.